Hey, how's it going, Pat Finnerty? Welcome back to the What Makes This Song Stink podcast. It's a podcast, and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's good to be back. Um, today's song we're we're talking about uh, social distortion, and by social distortion, I mean social D. Uh, and uh, it's great. It's always it's always great to say social D. It's like one of the worst nicknames I think ever. You could do that with any band. You know what I mean? It's kind of like I don't know Led Z. You know, like, you know, imagine Led Zeppelin being Led Z or, uh, you know, the R for the Tours. you know, through, through to the Raconteurs. Raconteurs, your favorite band. There's somebody, there might be listening to this, Raconteurs, favorite band. What's your favorite band? Raconteurs. You know, you like, you like the White Stripes? Eh, you know, I'm more of a Raconteurs guy. Um, so anyway, uh, Social D, and we're going to be talking about Ball and Shan and this thing just Fucking hammers you down. Unbelievable. Adam, will you put on a little bit of ball and chain? I say, and it's on and on and on, and the song goes on and on. It doesn't get louder, it doesn't get quieter, it doesn't get faster, it doesn't get more brighter. It just keeps doing this the whole fucking time, man. This song. Uh, so Blink Patch uh, is the guest today. He he picked this one, and uh, I got to talk to him. Comedian, really really funny. Really funny guy, also a musician, uh, plays guitar. So you know, we got to break down social D together, and we, we you're gonna hear it in the in the conversation. But we just talk about how you could have done anything to make this song more exciting than it is. And I was thinking about it, like you know, like like I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Because I'm too sexy. Right set Fred kind of has a Mike Nessish to it. And then I was just thinking about how much better, how much more I like I'm too sexy than take away, take away. Because like, I'm too sexy's like, it, it's got the too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. And then he changes it. And I'm too sexy for this party. Too sexy for this party. No way I'm disco dancing. You know, I think I jumped up a couple keys on that, but like changes the melody, like to the no way I'm disco dancing. And then I'm a model, you know what I mean. And I do my little dance on the catwalk. I'm too sexy kind of fucking rules. I mean, it's like, it's the same structure kind of as Ball and Chain because it doesn't change. It's just the same three chords go throughout the whole entire thing. But I mean, if you put on right side Fred, I mean, that thing's moving. And then it has that So that's one thing I learned today is that I'm too sexy blows away Ball and Chain as far as I'm concerned. Um, so we're going to get to that conversation, but first we got to go over a little bit of news. And and uh, today's news, we're just going to do a classic tour tracker. So uh, we've done this with Buck Cherry. We've done this with um, uh, Godsmack, I think. But uh, let me just keep you guys up to date on where Three Doors Down is going to be. I'm looking forward to seeing what markets they're, they're hitting. Uh, Three Doors Down tour, as I'm always, you know. Uh, prepared for you fine people um let's take a look and we are going into song kick checking the dates uh we'll accept all cookies sure i still don't know what that means i still i'll never know what a cookie is i won't care i won't care what a cookie is what's a cook why is it called a cookie why do I have to accept them? And I feel a little nervous every single time I do it. You know, you put it, it's in your cash, right? There's cash. And I know there's a lot of people probably get an email at songstinkpod.com uh, or at gmail.com. I know I could look up what cookie is, but fuck cookie. Um, anyway, so three doors down, uh, Concord, North Carolina. 
Panama City Beach, Florida, October 20th. Uh, ben Salem, Pennsylvania, uh, is a Keystone State guy. I remember seeing all those famous shows that I used to always go to in Ben Salem, you know, when I was a kid. I was like, you know, hey, I think... Uh, I think Nirvana was playing Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. But Nirvana actually did play Bethlehem. I remember that. I didn't go. I was too young. But um, I remember at the Stabler Arena. But back to Three Doors Down, Waterloo, <laughs> Waterloo, New York, at the Vine Theater and Del Lago Resort and Casino. That's October 29th. You can check them out there. And then they're off for a week, but they're getting back in November 4th, uh, where they're going to be uh, in Welch, Minnesota, at the Treasure Island Resort and Casino. Welch. Minnesota, <laughs> Welch, Welch, um, and then after Welch, you know, I mean, I don't know how they're going to have anything left in the tank for that for the Battle Creek, Michigan show, uh, November fifth. So I would say try to catch them in Welch if you could, because they're they're going to leave it all out on the stage for you that night, um, hitting that Welch market. But if you can't make it to Welch, you can hit them up in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. That's three doors down, and that's November fifth. So that's the news. And now let's get on to our conversation with uh, Blank Patch. Uh, grab a hot one. This is going to be a good one. It's Social D-Day. What makes this song stick podcast? It's a podcast. What makes this song stick? So right now, everybody, uh, I am, I'm looking at Mr. Uh, Blank Patch, who I don't know. He doesn't know me, but it's a podcast, and, uh, and we're going to get to know each other on this podcast. Blaine, thanks for being on What Makes This Song Stink. Oh, thanks for having me, Pat. It's delightful to kind of be here. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, kind of, just it's virtual. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, let's get some of your bullshit out of the way first, and then we'll, we'll do some more of your bullshit later, too. Sure. Um, so, you know, you've got stuff to plug. What's, what's, one, of your, what's one of your top things that, that you're looking to plug these days? Well, you can always hear me playing Dungeons and Dragons on the Nerd Poker podcast with Brian Posehn's Nerd Poker. We've been doing that for 10 years. Uh, I'm hosting Lucha Vavoom, the Mexican wrestling and burlesque extravaganza. You can always follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, look me up online. It's all bad. That was one of the best intros that anyone's ever given themselves. And the reason why I threw it to you to do that is just because I knew that it was going to be that. It went from Dungeons and Dragons podcast to a wrestling, to wrestling, <laughs> uh, and and then you know Twitter. <clears throat> yeah. But, oh, I'm I'm doing roller derbies again. Uh, the derby dolls are up and running down in Vernon, California. So I go down there occasionally and get to call indoor bank track roller derbies. This is awesome, Blaine. Your life rules. So, like, you're you started um, most. Uh, you were a writer on Mad TV. So um, on Mad TV, right? And um, that's kind of where you got your start. That must have been that must have been pretty exciting to be working on that. I would imagine. Well, it was it was exciting. It was uh, it was my first professional TV writing job. It got me into the Writers Guild and, and it, it taught me lots and lots of important lessons about writing and being in a room and being on a show. Uh, 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 innumerable lessons. And um, uh, uh, I met cool people and did cool things and had a great time. And I also had a horrible time. And <laughs> people right. were dicks. And, yeah, terrible. Uh, and sure. shit sucked. You know, but it was, uh, 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 I was a comedian from, I started in 85 in Baltimore, and then mm -hmm. I moved to San Francisco in 92, and I was there, and Patton and I were friends, we're friends from way back, because he was a, a Washington, D.C. comic, so we knew each other and stuff. Yeah, Patton Oswalt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, ow, my foot, dropping these names. Uh, yeah. Uh, we moved out to San Francisco about the same time we were working. We got hired on Mad TV together. We got hired for the pilot. And then the show got picked up. So that moved us to San, from San Francisco to L.A., which was just a, a godsend. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then I, Patton, of course, went on to, I don't know whatever became of him. But uh, no. uh, uh, I stayed on Mad for four years. Okay, so uh, there's, this industry shit we're getting right now is awesome. So you, you <laughs> just found, we just found out that Mad TV, if you work on it, is called Mad. It's kind of how, like, you know, Aerosmith never put, like, you know, back in the saddle on the set list. They just say saddle. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's that same thing. Like, yeah, when I was working with Bob, you know, De Niro, like, that's, uh, so Mad TV, you guys called Mad. And you could say that because you worked on it. You yeah. Know? I, you know, I was a little bummed about it because it was like when we were, 
when we were brought in, we thought it was going to be a little more Mad Magazine based. And I was, you know, I'm old, so I was Mad Magazine fueled as a child. But they, uh, uh, they never really did anything. I pitched like like lighter side ofs, and Patton would pitch fold ins. They're like, no, we just own the name. Just a guy owned the name. By the time I left, the last when I left season four, and it was, I was working with Will Sasso all the time. Will Sasso and Pat Kilbane were always great, and uh, uh, and Mo Collins. Uh, everybody was was fun on the show. What about the bands like uh, that would come in? Do you remember any performances? Were you there for the performances? Uh, you know, I almost got fired because my car broke down, and I was supposed to go into San Francisco, and I was stuck in San Francisco. And the presidents of the United States of America were doing a fake commercial I wrote where they sang all these public domain songs. It was like a KTEL album, but they just okay. sang all these songs they didn't have to pay the rights for. And I wasn't there, and they called me up. They're like, "We're not paying you to not be here. You get on a plane. You get down here right now, or you're fucking so like yipes." But I went down. Remember the presidents of the United States of America, and I remember uh, uh, after I had left, my friend Lauren Dombrowski was one of the producers. She stayed on, and she called me up. She goes, "I know you love Supergrass. Supergrass is down here." And uh, Bobby Lee calls me up. Hey, man, I know you like Supergrass. Supergrass is down here. So I went down yeah. and saw Supergrass. Cool. That was it. Oh, and Kiss did the, the Halloween shows one year, and I wrote those. That was fun. Okay. Was this Peter, Chris, Chris, and Ace? Or it was, was this Peter, the, Chris, and Ace. Okay. It was so yeah, Peter when and they... I became friends. It was fun. It was a really, really? fun show. Yeah, they were, they were there all week. Peter, Chris, and I were, 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 ha had a great time. He's a great guy. Ace Fraley, you know, whatever. Space case, but he was cool. Uh, 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 Paul Stanley could not have been friendlier or more fun. Just a great guy all around. And I feel Gene like there's Simmons a butt coming. I feel like there's <laughs> yeah. a butt coming here, maybe. Nah, the, the butt is Gene Simmons is exactly what you would expect him to be. Right. So, you know, if he didn't have tits, he didn't care. I think there was just an article put out where he said that he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that's on you, Gene. You know what I mean? like... Kinda... A little off-putting, that guy. He, he's got opportunities. <laughs> um, all right. I, I so, remember I saw him. I was. Uh, uh, I saw him out in the wild years ago, like twenty years ago. I was at the Puzzle Zoo out on the Promenade in Santa Monica, and I was in this. It's a like a toy store, mm -hmm. and he was in there, and he was wearing a hat, like a low hat and sunglasses. Sure. But I knew he was Gene Simmons, and I walked around the store, and I came around again to look at him again to make sure it was Gene Simmons, and he looked at me with this look like, quit knowing I'm Gene Simmons. And I just kind of walked away from him, but he was definitely Gene Simmons. Even though he loved it. And I got to be, you know, every time we talk about Kiss, I got to tell everybody again that I don't give a shit about Kiss. I know that, <laughs> I know that like a lot of people do, and a lot of people I respect do, but it's just like, I never, I never got there. You know, and I love a spectacle. I just saw Rammstein. Rammstein was fucking amazing. Yeah, like, I, I love a spectacle. But, like, Kiss has never really done it for me, man. I don't know how long I'm going to live, Blaine. You know, we all have our ideas. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what your number is. If we want to take, like, a, you know, we have an estimation. You know, if, if I, I'm saying, like, I never got into industrial, right? And we're going to get to the song right. that stinks today, everybody. Take it easy. Blaine and I are getting to know each other over here. So I'm thinking that... Um, in my 50s, I'm 42 right now. In my 50s, I think I'm going to have an industrial 50s. I think I'm going to get into, like, Nine Inch Nails. I never, like, I never really got in. I think I'm going to get into the Tin Machine, David Bowie era a little bit more. What? And Ministry. And I'm going to, like, try to get it. I think I have industrial blood in my body. It's just I never really, you know, I never went there. I've, I've always been more of just a rock, pop, power pop, you know, and then 60s shit and psychedelic. Like, I've I've sure. never really went in, so I'm thinking in my fifties, industrial, and maybe sixties kiss. I don't I don't know. <laughs> like, there's only so much time we have. Am I going to get there? You know what I mean? Well, I'm I am fifty seven years old. Okay. And uh, uh, so I would like to go. I would like to have an industrial phase, but the older you get, it's rock and roll is a young man's game. It's sure. hard to stay out. It's hard to maintain the energy. And it I is. love the energy. And sometimes the, the music gives me the energy and I get it from the music. Getting older sucks because I still want to go out and see bands all the time, but I have a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And, uh, uh, but, and you uh, also have a back. You have a back that like hurts. You know what yeah. I mean? Like shows I can't are stand hard. too long. Shows, I wake up. I wake so up at five thirty in the morning, even if I don't want to. 
Right. Because I'm old. Uh, when you look at a crowd, though, when you go to a show now, it's like I'll look at um, I'll look at the crowd up front, and if there's like people jumping up and down and stuff like that, and I'm like, I want to be in there. I do. It's just I want to like, be. I want to be. You know, be. it's just like, and I did it for um, you know, the band Rocket from the Crypt. Were you ever yes. into them? Okay, yes. so they they were one of my favorite bands. Like in when I was in high school, and like. You know, John Reese is uh, Speedo in that band and Drive Like Jehu and he's Swami, this guy. He's, they're just like the energy of that band. I just, I love them. And he puts on such an amazing show. They got together maybe five years ago. They did a reunion. They played in Philly. And me and my buddy, who, you know, hadn't seen them in, you know, 10, 15 years. We're like, we're going. I got in there. And like the whole crowd did. Like we were all like 40. The whole crowd was just like. <laughs> Jumping up and down, doing that, and you should have saw us afterwards. It was like two marathons in a row. Everybody out on the sidewalk, like, oh, yeah, man, what did I just we do shouldn't. My, what oh we? my sciatica! Oh my yeah, god, my knees dripping with sweat. Everybody was dogging <laughs> it, but we went for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're like, we're gonna, we're gonna do it. You, you know? know, it's the thing about getting older, and this will happen to you, is you forget that you're not like I always think I'm 27 or maybe 35. But mm-hmm. I'm not, and like there's there's that moment when you take when you go down a flight of steps two at a time, and you think you're gonna die at the bottom because yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that. But you think like oh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's Still an automatic it. thing. It's a fun thing. Ah, caution to the wind. Right, and you end up crumpled at the bottom of the steps. How old is Mike Ness? I would is say he he's somewhere around your age. I would have him maybe a little older. I'm, I'm looking at oh, 62. So okay, he's, yeah. He's, Three years older than me, so he's sixty. Let's put him at sixty. Okay. He seems he seems like a uh, he seems like a a, a a structurally sound guy. He seems like a like you know a, a, a one of those working man rock type dudes. Well, there's a reason why we're talking about him right now, and I don't think it's because of the songs that he wrote. I mean, the guy was the package, right? He had the slick back. He was had the muscles. He had the he had the whole look. You he know, was definitely OC a belly. I mean, there Orange you go. County, Billy. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're getting to know each other, Blaine. I already like you a lot. Um, I, you're dropping super grass. I know that you probably, we probably have similar tastes in music here. Um, you know, and as far as punk goes, there's just, I've, Social D, and let's call him Social D, because that's what Social people D. do. You know, I never bought him. I never bought him. And there was always the the social distortion fan was always like he would have a Ramones T-shirt. So, you know, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. But he would also, if you had a social D-shirt, there's a chance that you're also linking to like Offspring or something like that. There's something, sure. there's something a little weird about social D. And I still don't know what it is. You know, well, I, I think I, well, they're kind of tied. Well, obviously they're tied to Epitaph. Mm-hmm. And the uh, uh, and that whole thing, and I think that's I, I think there's label loyalty, and there's little side currents and billabongs of of label culture in music. Where if you like if you like this band, you're gonna like all these bands. Like when I was I was into IRS when I was in high school, and it was like mm-hmm. the Police and Wall of Voodoo and the Cramps and the Go Go's yeah. and all, just all the if it had IRS on it, I would trust it. And I think yeah. maybe a lot of that. Uh, especially in a punk scene, it's like, oh, if this label likes this band, they're going to like this band. So they'll trust anything blindly. And I and think- that's why, like, the cred world is like, do they have cred? Do they not? And that's, like, always been the question of Social D to me, you know? And I don't think they do. But I think – but they but they kind of do, right? I, I, well, I think they do. Can, can, I, can I say before before I say anything else, mm-hmm. I want to say that that uh, uh, that – I've learned to be very objective about everything. I try to be objective about comedy and about music and TV and stuff. If mm-hmm. people like it, I try to I, – I, I go, well, if people like it, it's good. It's good for them. I try yeah. to see what people – I try to see the good things in, in what people like if I don't like it. I try right. to give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't like to criticize bands, especially because I know people that are – either working for them or with them or in them or whatever. And I don't want to slag off people who are, 
who are are lucky enough to be working as an artist in a horrible business. Right. You know, I have I have nothing but respect and props and admiration for professionals and stuff. So you I'll do say, know the name of this podcast, right? You, you I do. I do know okay. that. All right. It's, it, so so I I try to I try to temper my criticism. This is just me long-windedly saying I like to temper my criticisms of stuff by saying I understand that that uh, uh, that Social D has an incredible fan base and mm-hmm. that these people love Social D and that they go out and they tour, they work all the time, they're always playing, the guy writes a lot of stuff and like they're, uh, uh, they are definitely a working man's band. Uh, mm-hmm. That being said, I don't have any of their albums and I don't really want to listen to them. I don't like them that much. I don't like, I don't like punk by the numbers where it looks like it's trying too hard or it looks like they're doing civil war reenactments you know like where they're dressing from a time where they weren't even aware you know where they were listening to the archies you know Mm -hmm. when they were little kids or before they were born it's just like there's bands that that i know that i don't like and i know people like them so i try to just let them like them and appreciate them it's like watching your dog at a park oh they're at that park oh people like this band good for them yeah, I mean, it, I'm with you on like all of that. I know that I have a, a podcast called "What Makes This Song Stink," and I also know that um, yeah, that's Adam. He likes to flash the thing that says "Back to Song." But what's funny is that he needs yeah, a so, new I'm, one. I'm that sorry, says, Adam. I was I was trying to I was talking around that too much. I'm sorry. No. Now I'm talking over you, Pat. No, that's that's on me. Don't worry about that. There's one. <laughs> I'm the host of this thing. Um, so he needs a new sign that doesn't say back to song. That says go to song because we haven't even really talked about it. So the back to song doesn't even work. But what I will say just to finish up what you were talking about is that I'm, I'm with you. Like, even though I have the video series called What Makes the Song Stink and this podcast called What Makes the Song Stink, I still am very like I went to see fish like I went sure. Just yeah. because it's such a phenomenon that I like, it. I wanted to see what it was. I'm never going to listen to Fish. I'm not. Right. They're not my band. But the fact that so many people have dedicated their lives to this thing, I was like, I got to check it out. And as far as like Social D fans go, like, yeah, I mean, there's just something about Social D to me that have that it's never really struck a chord. It never really made me want to like stick around, even though I do know why people would like it. I mean, his voice is like this, and yeah. you want to hear, and he's got the slick back, and he plays the chords, and he's a tough guy. But this song that we're about to listen to is extremely boring, and it goes on forever. Um, and it's so let's that's, listen to that's it. That's the key. It's the it's the 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 song is really is the song uh, the song. It's like if Dead Flowers by the Stones just like mutated. It's the you know he's all he's hitting all of them bottle of gin broken down chevrolet you know Take me down, little Susie, won't you take me down? I'm not buying that he's drinking a bottle of gin. He's not a gin guy. No, I mean, the gin doesn't work out at all. It's just it's badass to sing gin. All right, you can stop it, Adam. That's the thing. He he falls into the badass tropes so much. You know, you all I see is just like, like I said, dice in the mirror, you know, uh, all of that stuff, a a pinup calendar. You know, and that's who he is. I'm not saying that isn't who he is. I'm just saying that there's something that feels contrived about that kind of, you know, maybe the Billy. Maybe I'm going at the Billy a little bit. You know, I don't know. They, yeah, they still make the the Billies. I, I think I think he's definitely leaning into a character. You, you know, I watched the video and 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 it's definitely a cartoon. A guy doing a cartoon of himself, whether mm-hmm. he's doing it on purpose or not. And the band, they're all. Very workmanlike, and it's it's real normal. They're in a garage. Here's what I don't like about that song: is I hear that first chord mm-hmm. before they do the man. They do like like a, a four measures of it. I think, and then, eight, actually, and then before the before the going. he comes in with the singing and the guitar. Yeah. But it's like he hits that first chord, and I know what the next chord is going to be. 
It's one of those songs that's just so predictable and so rote, it drives me crazy. It's like, I know exactly how it's going to go. I know how it's going to resolve. I But there's no... There's no uh, dynamics in it. There's no bridge. There's no mm-hmm. breakdown. There's no rave up. There's no dynamics. There's no like, uh, you know, like just go down to the drums or this. There's nothing. It's the same thing for 442. I'm going to give you the login to my YouTube page so you could start making videos for me, Blaine. You just <laughs> you, I, that's you, you said it all. You said everything that needed to be said. It's just. Let me let me grab you know I got a strat I'll use it. So like, do it do it. So you know, simple music and it's a very I, simple song and I get and, and I think that's why people uh, uh, people like it and gravitate to it. it. It is predictable. It's a safe, steady song. You know that it's going to be. You know it's going to sound like this. There's going to be a solo here, and it's going to sound like these Seymour Duncan burst buckers, and mm-hmm. it's gonna. Uh, uh, it, it's a complete. It's a Big Mac. You know what you're getting with it. I think that's the appeal to of it a little bit. But there's and I love simple shit, and I'm sure you do too. I mean, I love you know, I love punk. I love garage. I love like very simple music. It sure. doesn't have to be. I say this all the time. It doesn't have to be fucking yes for me to get into something. You know what I mean? Like right. So it's just like I would prefer it to not be yes, even though nothing against yes, you know? <laughs> like I'm not maybe I'll have a prog. Circus 70s. of Heaven on Tormato is really great, right. man. You gotta check no, it out. No, I mean I like I like the first three records. I do. But like, you know, um man, we just got cooking. Now we gotta go to break. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, well let's do a commercial. Everyone loves commercials. We'll be right back. All right, that was a great commercial, wasn't it, Blaine? That was fantastic. Hey, by the way, I couldn't uh, appear without the help of some of my sponsors. I'm brought to you by Lamps Minus. We don't have any lamps at Lamps Minus. Crest Wet Strips. Say goodbye to dry teeth with Crest Wet Strips and car alarms, letting you know a motorcycle went by. Plain. What are you doing? What are you doing next week? Can you just like? Can we? Can we be? I'll be your Richter. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think that we could just or McMahon. You know. Um, but, uh, all right. So this song we've got, here's the thing. The point you were making is that like, there's songs that don't change at all. It's like, if you go back to Buddy Holly, right? It's like, words of love whisper in my ear. Whoa, the things you want to do. Super simple over and over and over. But he goes different places in it. You know, vocally and... And yeah, he can, all and of he that. plays there's a little bit of a lilt in the play. He finds little tiny melodies in these in the simple chords, just the way yep. he's picking and playing. He'll go like Yeah. Like he'll he'll do that kind of stuff and it's there's there's just little moves that you need to make that the great ones find that are just like, yeah. This song just hook drills down drills through your brain. It really like, does it really you know, is it's a, just it's a hammer. And it's just like and you said you know where it's going. It's slow, so it's like it's not like a fast song where it's like maybe there'll be a change. This is just telling you that. Wait a second, this whole thing. Yeah, like I would take used to love her over this song, and used to love her stinks. I would take you know. I used to love her, but I had to kill her. I mean, I would take that over this you over can, this one. It, I, I could see the Velvet Underground taking those four chords at that tempo and being able to find something in it or find a different sort of rhythm to it or a little more mm-hmm. space in it. it yeah. It's 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 a very traditional setup. It's drums, two guitars, and a and a bass, and they're all it's all Les Pauls through Marshalls or you know whatever they're. I, what he's got, I know he works with Billy Zoom. He gets Billy Zoom apps. Do you play guitar? Oh yeah. Okay, so you know, I mean, you're so talking, yeah, you're saying Seymour Duncan's. I mean, I know that, but like, here's the problem. I'm gonna crank the distortion a little bit, social sure. distortion, just because they're doing. He does Put so many hair open, open chord distortion, which is kind of tough. Like you know, because it just turns in into a shush. Like yeah, well, it's two guys playing the same guitar. And you don't have Trey Anastasio dancing on top of it, you know, yeah. with a completely different tone. 
So, I think it's. I think it, it. It is very meat and potatoes, very by the numbers rock and roll. I bet live it's a blast. I bet it's a blast live. If you're in like a mid-sized club with these guys and they're playing the this beer. song, I bet it's like oh, you could. If you could feel yeah. it in your chest, I bet it would be fun. Right. They're up. They maybe they the BPMs go up a little bit on it. But like I was surprised the, at how slow it was when I listened to it. I was surprised slow. at how slow it was. The only thing that it's slower is longer. It's it just keeps going. Yeah. Like it does it doesn't stop. And the the only change in it is they do a um they do a um the the weight. They pull the band move. Um where it's uh so it's like Take away, take away, take away this ball and chain. Right, so it's like you get there finally. Because I'm drunk and I'm sober and I've got no place to wait. And then it finally gets to like, take away, take away, take away. Yeah, do the hang. Take away this ball and chain. Which is like, you know. Take a load off Fanny. Take a load for free. And down hand hand. You put the load right back on. Drink away this ball and chain. Yeah. No real solo, just like. It's the it's, one. It's the one change. It's the one the, change. So so they and wait the rest the change. is it, him singing through the ad, his adenoids, and he's right. he's got his thing down. But now yeah, I mean, this. This song does, does have drive, thing down. It drives me nuts. My wife was saying that that she liked the song when she first heard it. You know, she was in college or whatever, and then uh, and then it just became so immediately ubiquitous that she just hated it. And the people that would listen to it were like, eh, "I don't really want to be around these, you know, like uh, heavy heavy duty drinker types and you know frat knobs." Just, well, you, know, you could kind of follow. That, I don't want to blame the fans, the band on the fans, or the fans right. on the band. There's a template I think that people have in their heads that's a, a, a weird average of every song that people's brains take. That they they hear songs over their life, and their brain takes an average. And I think this song is that average. It's predictable. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. Mm-hmm. It's got all the hard drinking, party and stuff. It's a sad sure. tale of a strong man. It's got all that stuff in it, but it's just it's a little too slow and it's a little too predictable and the the, the guy's tattoos are a little too shiny in the video. A little too shiny. A little too you shiny. Know, it's, it's like I yeah, sad I, I don't I don't I don't buy it. I I wouldn't buy the album. I get why people would. It's a sad tale of a strong man. That's one of the funniest things I've heard. A sad tale of a strong man. But here's like, okay, so if you take a think, think about the Social D fan, right? And that's like, this song to me is in like, if there was like a family tree, Social D family tree would be like, all right, I love Ball and Chain. And then like the 90s come around or whatever, or the late, or whenever the fuck Wagon Wheel came out. And you love Wagon Wheel. Whoever loves Ball and Chain loves Wagon Wheel. Sure. Um, and, and probably, you know, it's these songs that for some reason they take off and like, they're just bar classics and that like, it's like, uh, you know, I wouldn't put like, they probably like Wonderwall a lot, even though I wouldn't put that in there necessarily, but like, it's just these, these songs that kind of take off and they're not even like radio hits or anything. It's just the, everybody finds out about them and they love it. It's kind of like... Oh, you think you're so pretty. This bed is on fire with passion and love. And I'm not saying that's a bad song, James Late or whatever, but that became like more popular in bars than like Beatles. Beatles oh, songs. Yeah. You know always, what I mean? That was always playing in a comedy club somewhere. And that's like, this song is that. It's, it's that. It's like, people love this song. I wish I did. It's in the Sweet Caroline kind of world for me. Like, why do people love Sweet Caroline so much? It's, it's you know, like, I, I kind of get that if uh, uh, that this is sort of their hit, this is their song, this is the one people will remember. It's it's uh, it's not a one hit wonder situation, but like you said, it is going to be the thing that that people will will take away from Social D in the in the long run. It will be this song playing, you know, at a uh, at a, a 
car dealership radio tent. Right. I mean, I feel like it's, um, back, you know, the thing about social media that's always so off-putting to me, and I was kind of talking about this before, is there is something about it, a really high-gain distortion A minor chord that's just like, I'm running for the hills. Like, I used to... Yeah, it's static. It's just like a t- mu- static on a TV. Because there's too much information. There's six yeah. strings happening. You know, punk music is like power chords for a reason. Because you can You're hear in those control two. of the strings. You hear those too. When you get into the whole world, it's too much. You uh, know, it's distortion and fuzz are only good on with uh. And I'm not saying are only good on, but uh. uh uh, bar chords where you're in control of all the strings or single note runs. They're, it's great for that kind of stuff. And this, uh, But you also can't be playing against another guy who's you know, going through the same pedals and he's got the same kind of distortion happening. Right. I feel like, I feel like there's, there's two guitars in that band, but they just sound like one big mushy guitar. Yeah, not, that's, that's not what a guy happens. Playing, there's not a guy playing at least you know, a different setting. setting and they're playing the same uh the same version of the chord like they're both playing this d chord like the number one d chord yeah like one of the guys could have been up here exactly you know and that's what dead flowers is like the stones you know it's like keats was maybe here you know what i mean brian jones might have been up here you know what i mean and that's yeah. That's the whole or Mick Taylor. I'll I don't play know. this and then Stone's you fill in there. the little spaces in between where I'm not playing with other things, and that way there's not this competition for your ear to listen to which open D you're doing. No, this which open social D. This is kind of like <laughs> I feel, I feel like this is kind of like usually I just joke around and call something like, "Hey, this sounds like uh, what you would hear the guy that's washing dish." It, it sounds like. I, I usually try to come up with like weird metaphors for what we're listening to, what shitty songs. This this one we're just talking about. Like, come on, guys! Like, why didn't you just play a power chord instead of a D? Why didn't you bump it up a couple BPMs and you know maybe up a key too? Like, come on, Mike! I know you don't have a high voice, but like, if it was here, like, take away, take away, take away this falling chain. Like that would be a little more exciting. I, it, it is. I think. It, I think uh, uh, key changes are sensibility changes. The song will take on a different, a different sort of light on it with a different key, even if it's the same song. I wouldn't mind seeing this song, uh, uh, him singing this alone with an acoustic guitar. I bet it would be really cool. Yeah, like if if you were doing like um, like a take away, yeah. take away, social D unplugged. Um, <laughs> Almost like Hank Williams says. He would say Hank Williams or something in a song, though. You know what I mean? Like, I was listening to Hank. I was going out, died. My dog found a bone. He tried to hide. You know, uh, I was like, I was looking up what, what he was, what he was talking about, or who this guy was. Mike back to Nash, song. To Wait, history. hold on, hold on, Blaine, hold on. Producer Adam just did a back to song. We're talking about the song. To take it easy over there, PA. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Blaine. What were you saying? Uh, I I think uh, I think Mike Ness he has a, a a hot rod shop down in Orange County. Absolutely, and, uh, and he has like uh, hot rod designs and lots of merch and stuff. And and it's just sort of I I guess he it seems like a perfect life for this guy. It's like the guy is really living. He's living an Orange County dream. He's in this he tattoo sleeve band, bar band with mm-hmm. an anthem and he's, you know, oils his hair back and he has a hot rod shop. He really yeah. is living in a, uh, living in a weird paradise. And TV is working for him. I mean, you know, with like shows like, remember the, the motorcycle show where those guys were always like making custom motorcycles for people like those All hogs. Right. Like he's got that show. He's got Pawn Stars. He's gotta love Pawn Stars. He's got like thirty-five episodes, thirty-five seasons of Pawn Stars to watch. You know, it's his he's, life. I mean, he's doing way better than us. It really, like he's got it really it figured is. out. He's, he's like, he, if he went back in time and told his, told himself, like at age ten, what his life would be like when he was age sixty, the kid would probably go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. This is what I was it's thinking. It's that predictable. Yeah. His life is predictable. Right. 
But he's got the whole package. See, here's the thing, Blaine. Like, me, like, you know, I'm bald as shit. My hat says bald as shit, right? And, you know, I'm a musician. I've been in bands and whatever. But I feel like, you know, I am not... I don't have what Mike Ness has. He has the whole package. Sure. He is this guy that is built for this. And he got the right tattoos for it. And he did it all. And he's got the look. And he's got the voice. And it's like, I don't have that voice, right? But I feel like he could have done more with it. Because, like, it's not hard if you've got that. Like, if he, if I'm not saying it's easy to have what he has. But if you do have what he has, you know what I mean? Like, I would take a song and be like, Red tulips on me. I never saw you coming. I want to go out walking with an orca in the wild. I mean, that to me is catchier than what his song was. And I'm like, that was a little psychedelic furzy. It was. It's like, yeah, it was a little psychedelic Because <laughs> they're, they're closer, though. Love my though. wife. Yeah, love my wife. But I guess if there is one voice that's a little closer to it's psychedelic first, right? But, I mean, love the psychedelic first. They're, um, they're good. Why? <laughs> we're, they, are, they are. But you know why? Because it's like, if you take their big fucking hit, right? Like, everyone loves is it's raining all day. She just wants to be one of the girls. And that's like going along, and that's a very satisfying verse, and it sounds great. But then the halftime comes in. We're near now, pretty in pink. That's awesome. A, they mix it up. They they mix it up. They, they mix it. They up. do something different. There's a uh, there's a thing on one of the Beatles anthologies where uh, uh, they were doing uh, came in through the bathroom window, and mm-hmm. it's a completely different thing. And then you hear them talking at the very end, and you hear Paul say, oh, how about something like what you were doing? And he plays one of the verses like a classical, and he plays the same melody, but it's in this sort of Bach approach. And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, something like that, some sort of variation I think it needs. So, like, it's, it's, that's such a, it's, it was such an informative moment that they're always going... Okay, the song can stay the same. The notes are the same. The words are the same. But there's so much to explore in just two or three chords. There's mm-hmm. so much you can do. And I think that, I think Social D is, you know, they just like to set up in a bar and play while you're getting your engine tuned or whatever. They seem to just be like a journeyman band. But like you said, there's, there's a lot more there they could do. They could. And I don't think we're being music snobs here. I mean, there are, t- I, I could definitely be. A snob. be- I don't want to be a snob either, even though I know that I probably am to a certain extent. I know that me and my friends are. I do know that. But at the same time, I also have like an appreciation. For, I try to have an appreciation for almost everything in a way where it's like even the videos I make, I always end them in a kind of like positive way. And like, you know, why didn't they just do this? Or you could have just done that. Or why did you do that? You know what I mean? Stay positive. And- Look for effects. And you brought up the Beatles, and it was just like, you know, the Beatles are, are uh, you know, and, and I'm more and more just thinking how much the Beatles fucked us. Like, they just <laughs> fucked us. Like, they were just like, hey, we're just four guys. We like joking around. Yeah. You know, we're just we're just the lads. You know, we're, we're just going to write some songs. You could write songs. And then, you know, they just, every single one of their albums just got better and better and better and different. And it's just like, that's how I grew up wanting to be in a band and wanting to be like okay well we got to do something different this time or yeah. we have to throw in one weird chord or something like that where it's just like you know make and it, and make all, it interesting also, for, for ourselves as well for ourselves yeah but we all pick up on that stuff even if you're not like a music person like everybody like it always blows me away that like bohemian rhapsody is one of the biggest songs of all time the amount of information that's happening in that song is unbelievable. It's crazy. Right? It, it's my, incredible. My, I, my nine-year-old listens to songs like that, and and uh, and he'll go like when he was very young, he would say, "This there's too many songs in this," because it was always too changed around. Songs. Like "Live and Let Die" was like that, it, and and uh, uh, yeah. Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. It was mm-hmm. always like, "There's too many songs in this," and now he likes it. But he was like, "There was so that's much coming line. at him, and there were so many changes." Right. But that's like the fact that people pick up on that and they subconsciously. So like anybody that's really into music and musicians will always like I've always tried to write songs 
for my friends in bands or for my band, you know what I mean? Like to see if they would like, like, you know, to, to show them like, Oh man, check this cool move out or something like that. Just to try to impress like music friends, you know? Yeah. But like the people that don't play music, they, they pick up on that stuff too. They just don't know that there's these like, Whoa, how did they get to that chord? How did they do that thing? You know, like I just heard every, every little thing she does is magic by the who the other, or by the police the other day. And I'm like, this song is fucking crazy. It's insane the amount of moves that are in it, you know? Like, and, you know, Sting's an asshole, but, like, I love the police. Brilliant asshole. Yes, brilliant (laughs) asshole. But, like, that band is incredible. And I'm just like, this this song is just, like, it's, it's amazing. The verse has nothing to do with the chorus the chorus has this rhythm that's happening in the world then there's this weird turnaround in it but it's this pop song and all you would think is just like and the, the weird sparse this magic the, the tinkly you know? piano the super sparse piano that totally yep. works boom, boom do, 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 i i, do, 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 I look do. at bands like and i love the police i love the police so much i look at bands mm-hmm. like the police or any other three-piece band you know even green day Sure. That that uh, uh, or Supergrass when they're just playing as a three piece that they have to they all fill the space in different ways and they know as a band which space is going to need filled by how they're playing and they all know the song and they all serve the song especially when you're a three piece band like that because everybody is you know it's a tripod like Rush like they all fill in so much but they all know exactly when to lay out and let everybody else fill in the stuff. And then you have Social D where it's two guys playing the same rig and the same chords and they're all loud and it just drives and it doesn't stop. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, you go see Rancid, like, you know, Lars and Tim Armstrong are doing different shit. I don't know what Tim Armstrong's playing. I never have. Nobody ever has. He's holding the guitar in some sort of way where it's so low but high at the same time. And it's like this hollow body you know, arch top thing or whatever, yeah. but he's up here. He's fucking off up here. And that's like rule number one of two guitar players. Look at your other guitar player. Is he up here? Well, then go there. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Is he here? Well, then go there. So like, teeter-totter, that, if you're both on one end, no That's fun. it. And these fucking guys are like rock steady and bebop. Just... And I just threw out a rock steady and bebop. And you know what? There's uh, uh, sometimes sometimes it's fun to go uh, rock steady like that. If you if you have other songs that aren't like that, you know the Pixies yeah. aren't. Every song's not you mass. No, no. I mean the Pixies are a great example because they could go bonehead, but also they always know to get a little weird or just like you know uh, what's the guitar player Tony? Um, uh, oh, Joey Santiago. Or Joey Santiago, yeah. So like they all you know, know when it, they all know when to lay out. Right. They know when to lay out, but then they also know when to Yeah. Is there a Nirvana without Gigantic? I mean, I know that the Pixies are always talked about as far as like Nirvana and I fucking love Nirvana, but like Gigantics like should be one of the biggest songs ever in ever. the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of the best. I mean it's oh, it's just like possibly the most catchy but hard rocking uh, pop song ever. On that note, um, of course, Pixies are going to take us to a commercial. Everybody still loves commercials. Let's do one. <laughs> Blaine, we're back. Uh, we're bla- we're back from the commercial break. Um, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, th- you know, I thought uh, so too. Uh, I did want to mention that we couldn't do uh, uh, the show without the help of some of my sponsors. Brought yes. to you by On Bug Spray. You like bugs? They're going to love you. On bug spray and crazy glue band-aids. They're not going anywhere. Crazy glue band-aids and promotional consideration from Jack Daniels 2% milk. 98% milk, 2% Jack Daniels. Get your breakfast on with Jack Daniels 2% milk. Get your breakfast on. Awesome. I can't believe the world hasn't got to get your breakfast on yet. <laughs> it's very, it's very, uh, uh Bocifos. It's a good breakfast oh, God, cereal. I like those one. Those ones were incredible. Um, I think what's the company? I forget the company, but someone just said, "Find your happy," and I almost oh, what threw is that? up. Yeah. Find it's... your find your happy. Find your happy. Find your happy. Can Society's you imagine? over. I don't know if you heard. The person. <laughs> the person. <laughs> we're, we're I mean, it's. I mean, we're smoked. 
I mean, the find your happy guy actually has a better life than Mike Ness. Whoever is getting paid for find your fucking happy. You know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, do you remember the Saturday Night Live sketch? Who were the ad wizards who came up with that one? What was, what was that one? I forget. It was like early 90s. I think it was like, you know, Phil Hartman-ish uh, era. Okay. But there was, it wasn't a great sketch. Sounds like, um, sounds like something with Spade in it. Is Lorne Michaels funny? I don't know. I've never met him. Okay, but like, you know what I mean? You know, he's he's, a, he's a, a good producer, I would assume. He's a good producer. But like, it's people that say Jay Leno. Was Jay Leno actually funny in the 70s? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a brilliant comic. Is he? he, he gets, okay, he so I like lot, you, He gets Blaine. a lot of shit, but he's a great comic. I think I love Jay Leno. Okay, so and I'm also reconsider. and I'm also a car guy, so I love him twice. He was he and Seinfeld were sort of like the uh, 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 the terrible twosome back in when I was starting in the '80s. They were the two big guys. They were the big technical comics that everybody loved, and then you know they both became hugely successful in different ways. And I think people yeah. are you know whatever people have problems with Jay, I get it. But, you know, what, I, he's always been a really, really funny comedian. Okay. Because, like, you know, you being a comedian, you said technical comedian. And I think we're good on social de- – we're good on this song. It blows. I don't think there's anything else we need to say about it. Let's talk about comedy for a second because God knows – God knows, Blaine, nobody's talking about comedy. No. I mean, if only fucking brain surgeons had as much exposure as, like, you know, fucking comedians and breaking it down and shit like that. Um, a, a complete uh, – uh, uh, comedians are the new philosophers, I heard. Yeah. So, but it's, I love comedy, always have, always will. Um, I have a great respect for stand up comedy um, and uh, the technicians. So, like Seinfeld, you know, the, the old adage, right, is that the material is what you're doing when you're not being funny, right? Sure. So it's like, you know, because I've had moments on stage where, you know, I don't do, you know, stand up, stand up. I've done it a little bit in my life, but, um, you know, I'll just kind of riff in between a song or I'll do like a music kind of it's, it's stand up ish adjacent banter. I've yeah. I have my points and then, you know, but, you know, when you get onto something funny and you, you explore it and everything like that. And that's great. I feel like guys like Jay Leno and Seinfeld, like by you say tech technical, um, every word is just pinpoint. Perfect. Yes. And, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's very, just very well. Incredible. The, uh, uh, it sa- it sounds so stupid to say this shit out loud, but like, uh, they they will take a joke, they'll take a premise, and they'll look at it like this, and then they'll look at it like this, and then they'll look at it like from a question, or they'll they'll turn it around and look at different angles and try to find every joke that they can get out of it, and then they get rid of the ones that don't work, and then they put mm-hmm. the ones that are left in order. And it all, it's it all, it all kind of happens not automatically, but it usually happens okay. pretty organically. And it, it's and they do they just they write this stuff, and every pause, every every beat is different. Like if I write a joke on Twitter, it might be funny if you if you uh, if you write it, but if you say it out loud, it's not funny. Like I'll write mm-hmm. a joke on Twitter, and then I'll say it out loud. And sometimes it sounds bad if I say it out loud, and I'll adjust it so that it reads like something you would say. And that's right. I mean, that's where all those technical guys get in. Where it sounds like Jay's just talking about, yeah, hey, just talking about uh, uh the yeah those uh, soft baked cookies. Uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, w- yeah. where they get those from? Dupont. Hey, if you did, uh, when you're done working on that death gel, I want you to work on a cookie softener. Like you know, just like him right, yeah. going into the. It sounds conversational, but it's in, insane. But it's all. It's all dance right. footprints on a Arthur Murray dance studio floor. Who are some of your favorites? Uh, like your 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 top, you know, five or whatever comedians. Uh, well, when I was coming up, it was always like Steve Martin and mm-hmm. Carlin, Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. and uh, and now it's guys like Proops and Patton and Paul F. Tompkins, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know. I like everybody. Everybody's really sure. funny. There's there's a, there's a, a really amazing uh not I don't want to say a renaissance, but there's a, a a real pre-Cambrian explosion of comedy life going on right now, especially after yeah. the pandemic, like so many people are kind of coming out into the light. Mhm. So there's a lot of yeah. a lot of new comics. A lot of Um funny. you mentioned 
You mentioned Carlin, of course, and I went. Course, I was going down a Carlin rabbit hole not too long ago, and um, I don't think he liked uh, "Ball and Chain" by Social D either. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll tie it in. It's you know, it's a podcast. Um, so you know, it's mind blowing how good that guy was. Like it's it's absolutely yes. How he memorized what he did. Well, how he did what he I don't did. Know how like he did I. That. People ask me like all the time, like, how do I figure out songs so quickly? So the the gift I've been given in this world, whatever the fuck we're doing on this planet, is that don't ask me to change a tire, Blaine. But like, if you want me to figure out a song, I will. So it's just like that's kind of the thing that I can do. So my brain does that, but what I can't even fathom what how he wrote that and then performed it and memorized it and had all of that. The series is down, like it's fucking insane, man. He's uh. uh... I don't know how you're, he obviously uh, has favorite words and he has rhythms in his head. He writes bits like songs so that when you start to do your bit, it's almost like you're just like lyrics. And if you know the song, then you know the lyrics. And okay. I think he does stuff a lot like that. He was, uh, something came up on my shuffle a few days ago from his box set and it was him in a little club and he was talking about Ed Sullivan. <laughs> he was talking about like, he does this one comics Ed Sullivan impression, but other comedians do this other comedians Ed Sullivan impression. Does that make sense? Uh huh. And he goes, a lot of guys will do this guy's uh, Ed Sullivan impression, but then he goes, the key to Ed Sullivan isn't what he isn't the impression; it's the acts he's introducing, and he just tells you what the premise is. It's yeah, the acts he introduces. It's like uh, next week on our show, uh, we have a uh, coming up on our stage. The Bronze Age, and just and he just went down this really insane list of stuff coming up on Ed Sullivan, and it was just a remarkable close-up magic magician guy telling you how he's going to do the trick while he does the trick for you. That's amazing. Well, it's kind of like doing like when people do Don Pardo, right? It's not about like live from New York. It's Saturday night. It's who he introduces? I mean, it's who he introduces. Love musical guests, Foo Fighters, <laughs> you know, and your Meredith Baxter, Bernie, <laughs> Carl's <Right>. Junior. <laughs> yeah, with a guest appearance from. I like the guys that never got like. Who was the guy? Uh, a Whitney Brown. A Whitney Brown. But he was never in the cast. It was always just with appearances by A Whitney Brown. I think he was a writer. I did a I did a week with him at the Comedy Cafe in D.C. in the eighties. He was great. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, uh, he did. I think he was like a writer, and they would bring him in to do little segments and stuff. I think he was on Weekend Update. This is some Weekend Update stuff. Okay. But yeah, just yeah. But I don't know what his, was, what happened there. He was in the bullpen or something like that, and then they, they brought him in every now and then. Who knows? Um, hey, all Whitney right, Brown, Adam, someday let's... I hope to be the Whitney Brown. That was his opener. <laughs> this is like a good opener He's, if you're a yeah, Whitney Brown. One. Yeah, it's not bad. But uh, let's let's see where we're at with this song. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, it sounds like this part. The drummer's hitting the cymbal there. That's something. He's trying. There's the Oz. But there's not... Okay, pause it there, Adam. Bring in another guitar on the chorus. Like, that's the number one move. It's like, they don't even bring in another guitar playing. Like, there's always... Hey, I'll lay out until the chorus, or just like when you're tracking a song, you know, let's just beef up that chorus a little bit, yeah. make it something different. It all's the same. The whole thing is a flat line. It's unbelievable. Well, he kind of comes in. He has a couple of little licks when he goes into the top of the verse. Yep. Yeah, and then he has a little thing at the end. He plays where he where you expect him to play, but he doesn't play out. It doesn't. It, it just it doesn't go anywhere. It's, just it don- it's donuts in a parking lot. And I mean, there's a place for that. But right. it's a, the place is a parking lot. That's solo number one. Oh, he does play out. 
Okay, and then we get the full, you know, what I call a Saturday Night Live ending, actually. <laughs> um, okay, so we so we get that. All right. Um, you know, it's just like they listen to it. it for me, that's an it's an exhausting listen by the end of it. And whenever I've like, it is, you know, it is li- an exhausting listen. That's a good yeah. It it it, 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 it you're, it's tiring. It beats you down. It's you like know, you're helping a guy talk- move. Right. And it's nothing but pianos and couches. You know? It's, <laughs> Let me get this engine just, block up the back of this garage. Right. And it's just like, you know, here he is. We get it. He's singing about being sick. And I'm sick. And I'm tired. And I got nowhere to be. And there it is, the anthem. And people are sick. And people are tired. So, I mean, it works out. You can he sing about he- being sick. He just says he wants you know. new stuff. He wants a, a new get a new suit, get a new wife. It's a guy who just wants everything to be okay. Right, but what he doesn't know is that he can get a new wife and he can get a new house, but you know who he's bringing into that new relationship and that new house? He's bringing himself, Blaine. Mm. You know, we 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 can't we can't leave ourselves at the last place. We bring ourselves with us. And that's that's what Mike Ness you know, he has to remember that. I don't mind the um the other one. <laughs> but the other one, it's like, maybe I know three Social D songs. But, like, I know that there's fast. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And then there's also, like, um, the... I was wrong. Self-destruction got me again. I was wrong. I don't mind that one as much. That Do you know that one? It's it's a, it's a little different. I, think I was wrong. Self-destruction got me again. I was wrong. It ends like that, though, which is terrible. I was wrong. <laughs> thank you very much. I was wrong. Yeah, th- thank you. I, I feel like uh, uh, I feel like they're a, a rockabilly Everclear. Like the songs are, they're older and more adult. They're very, very simple, paint by numbers kind of things. They. Mm-hmm. A very simple, uh, uh, very obvious kind of people in the band. I don't know. It's and Rock I, and Billy I like, Everclear. And I like some Everclear songs. Well, I mean, you know, your father of mine guy, or you, uh, I'll build you a new house. Which uh, I art, like the heroin girl is a good one. It's a good Nirvana song. It's a great Nirvana like, song. It's a good I love Nirvana it when people, when people try to criticize a band and they go, oh, yeah, it's very Beatlesque. Like, Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was always the, yeah, for me, it was always that, like, oh, this reminds me of the Beatles. I was like, you mean music? I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Blaine, the best part about Social D is that I got to talk to you for an hour. Oh, so, gosh. Uh, got this to was meet a blast. Blaine. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for having me. And let's let's plug your shit one more time. So check you out on Twitter. Uh, do a lot of jokes there. And then, you know, Google the hell out of you, right? Is there? Uh, let's go through your podcasts again. What are they? Uh, uh, check me out on Nerd Poker uh, with Brian mm-hmm. Posehn. Brian Posehn's Nerd Poker. I played Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of uh, numbskulls for the last ten years, twenty years, but ten on ten on the air. And come see me awesome. if you can. Uh, if I'm uh, hosting a roller derby or a lucha vavoom or doing stand up someplace. Blaine, funny fucking dude. Nice to meet you, man. Um, I gotta plug my shit. Patfinity.net for all the social bullshit. Um, actually, you know what? Kamal Bell was uh, was on not too long ago, Very and funny. he he's he's the best, and he was actually like doing all my shit. So, Adam, can we just have Kamal on again to like tell us about? Um, we'll do that. That's how we'll end the episode. It's very important to feed the algorithm so that we can make this man as successful, so he can get his hot tub. So you need to leave five stars. Don't do four. Don't get in your feelings. Only five star reviews are asked for. And you gotta and you gotta share it with somebody. Share it with one person. Even if you're like me, where your audience is like, "Why are you doing this?" You gotta share it. You gotta share it. Five star reviews on whatever po- podcast platform, but the Apple one. Even if you don't listen to it on Apple, five stars on Apple means a lot. Come out. Do you mind if I grab that audio and just play it every single time? It's fine with me. So that I never have to do it. We just bring in come out to end the episode. Fine Adam, with can me. we do that? Come out. Come out. Just end every single episode. Whatever you want to do, you have my release. Oh, that's incredible. And Kamal, do you mind thanking uh, executive producer Adam Levin for me, too? Special thanks to executive producer Adam Levin, not Adam Levine. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Don't click the link below, whatever. Or click it.
Well, you could write a country tune Set your mind on daddy's farm And keep it simple and true to form By the way it's done You could write a rap track Pet the alphabet and chewing on the phrasing Once you get to the end of the line It's amazing, dropping like bombs For some running numbers I like the old ones better than the new ones Coming on too strong You could buy the folk ditty Tell the tale of a god of a neighbor Same old story and it's always changing Going on and on and on and on Well you could write a jazz number Hot coals and my soul is blazing The right notes are never wrong off the top of my head. Ah, you can write a poem, show, turn the nation down, blast the flag, show another to a piece of track, getting back in love. You can buy a disco sign, getting down in hard rails, 54 in a bowl of gold, you wanna dance on the night, yeah. You could write a reggae rhythm, Hit the road from here to Hong Kong Look at all them fools that made it Just strumming along 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 Just str